You're listening to the TB Pod, a podcast for clinicians and policymakers caring for patients with tuberculosis. In these podcasts, we chat with expert clinicians, researchers, policymakers, and advocates about their work in the field of tuberculosis. The TB Pod is prepared by the Australasian Clinical TB Network, ACTNET, and the TB Forum. You can subscribe on iTunes or download episodes through the ACTNET website. So let's get into it. Hi, my name is Jack Callum. I'm a spiritual and sleep specialist in Sydney, Australia, and I've had the pleasure today of hearing the talk at APSR with Dr. Jan Yuan Wong, who has presented on uh, whole genome sequencing and is tomorrow presenting on latent TB. Dr. Wong is a specialist from uh, Taiwan and uh, has a wealth of publications, I think 260 publications I saw. Um, And so it's a real pleasure to be joined by a world expert in tuberculosis such as yourself. And uh, uh, tell us a little bit about your research. Okay. Actually, the pleasure is mine. I'm I'm very glad to to meet you and uh, to talk about my my research about tuberculosis. Uh, Recent years, I focused my uh, research on Latent, tuberculo- latent tuberculosis infections because I think as, as, a, as an incidence and as a burden of tuberculosis become a decrease in any countries, uh, we should shift our, um, our public health policies from uh, treatment and control of active tuberculosis to, to the control of latent tuberculosis infections. So I think uh, the central dogma would be do no harm for, for any, any doctor, do no harm. So we must uh, clearly, carefully judge the, the benefit and risk of starting latent tuberculosis infection treatment because any drug has its own side effect. And if you are trying to give, give some um, toxic medications for, for a healthy subject, um, and, and, and expect that uh, he or she will, will experience some kind of side effect. Then you must uh, uh, recalculate whether it is justifiable to, to do that. Um, so as, uh, as Taiwan started to, uh, to implement LTBI policy, I think it's, uh, it started in 2008, 2008 uh, starting from uh, using TST, and gradually changed to to quantiferol, and in the beginning we only have uh, nine months isoniazide, and 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 now we majority we use three um, HP the, the 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 short course preventive therapy regimen. <coughs> uh, when the three HP regimen was invent was invented uh, ten years ago, I think we have a a simple and a very convenient regimen to to treat latent tuberculosis infection. When Taiwan uh, began to globally implement the 3-HP regimens, something happens because we found more and more serious side effects. And uh, uh, according to our recent uh, publication, the rate of systemic drug reactions in the age group of 35 to 65 is about is about 17.1%. So 71.1% in that specific age group will suffer from uh, severe, relatively severe uh, flu-like syndrome, or what we call systemic drug reactions. I think that is still unacceptable. So we try to uh, 
we try to see if we can predict the, the occurrence of, of any side effect while giving the 3HP regimens. I think that's important because you, uh, you need to let your people uh, use uh, preventive therapy in a safer way and of course to live a better life. <clears throat> And so we try to measure the plasma drug concentration of the two drugs, isoniazide and rifapentine. And we also we try to see if there are any clinical characteristics, except age, except this age, age group, 35 to 65. Or is there any possibility that we can use some transcriptomic profile uh, to foresee the, the development of, of serious or systemic drug reactions after 3-HP. So I think I I have spent recent five years, I I all focus on this topic. And I'm very happy that it seems that we can can truly predict the occurrence of systemic drug reactions by using the gene signature. Yeah, so, but it, it, uh, I think the next step is is trying to validate the, the, the prediction algorithm. And if that, if we success, I think we could possibly to provide individualized therapy and uh, let the people take the preventive therapy safe and uh, smoothly. I think we can improve the public, public acceptance of any LTBI intervention program. Yeah, that's my goal. So it sounds like what you're saying is that you're using these patient factors to predict who's going to get these systemic reactions yes. to the drugs. Yes. Is this, when you say systemic reactions, are you typically talking about... Flu-like syndrome. And, okay. Yeah, flu-like syndrome. Uh, I, th- I think the, 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 short, the short course preventive regimen, the 3-HP, is, is, uh, is not hepatotoxic. I think it's a relative safe for the for the liver. Mm-hmm. I think nine months isoniazide is is more toxic for more, more hepatotoxic. And so when saying about uh, systemic drug reactions, we usually refer to the flu-like symptoms. Flu-like mm-hmm. symptoms. severe flu-like sim- symptoms we call systemic drug reaction. Okay. Well, uh, it it could be it could have other minor uh, minor presentations such as unusual presentation of systemic drug reactions such as urticaria, such as hypotension or bronchospasm, but that is very rare. That is very rare. Mm. But it could be. It could be one of the... It, it is one of the possible reactions of 3-HP. But majority of, of people who take 3-HP could suffer from flu-like symptoms. Mm. Flu-like symptoms. And uh, as I just said, in the, in the age group of 35 to 65, maybe 17% of them will suffer from uh, flu-like syndrome, flu-like syndrome. And in these 17% that get these severe flu-like symptoms, is, are these symptoms typically severe enough to halt therapy? Of course. Yeah, wow. I think more than half of them will hold the therapy. Wow. Yeah, because but my, my patient always, uh, they are not patient, <laughs> my, um, my people always say that I, I'm totally fine before I get this regimen. Mm. But after I got this regimen, I become sick yeah. <laughs> and sick every week. So how could it, it be possible they, 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 can, they can adhere with the, the prescription? I think it's not possible. So I think it's our, it's our obligation, it's our job to 
prevent the development, to foresee the development of this side effect. And so at the moment you've got a number of genetic features in yes. your patient population yes. that is predictive of them having that severe flu-like symptom. Yes. How accessible is this kind of genetic testing for patients that have tuberculosis in Taiwan? Yeah, that's that's a very good question. So we haven't done that yet because it's it's uh, uh, we only work on it for 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 just five years. I think it it would take another ten years or twenty years to to make it to become uh, widely acceptable and widely implemented in 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 clinical practice for everyone. So, so at that time you will know that oh, you, oh, you, you, because your gene signature is, is, is this, this pattern. So, you, you should give, uh, you should receive uh, the isonia that only, or otherwise you can receive the 3HP regimen. We have the data. We have the preliminary data. So the second stage of this study should be the validation, and I think the validation, more important validation, is non-Taiwanese people. Validation. I mean, validation in other countries to see if this is a, if this is a general phenomenon, and, and we can use one general algorithm to predict the development of side effect. And then, uh, I, I think we can, if it's true, we can design a gene chip or something that we can we can do it. We can do this test. If it is commercialized, I think gene chip like that is not very. Uh, it should not be very expensive, mm. and and we deserve to to know that uh, whether this case uh, is susceptible to any side effect before giving them preventive therapy. Obviously, minimizing those adverse events is such a massive challenge in maintaining compliance and tolerance in yes. all of these patients. Yes. Steering away from the whole genomes, uh, the, from the genetic sequencing of the patient, uh, the 3HP regimen is something that is coming in in Australia and is being used a little bit more, but mm -hmm. it's certainly not something that would be, uh, I guess, first line to what I've seen in Australia. Is there a large population of patients who have received 3HP in Taiwan? I think it's about every year we have about uh, we have about one one. Uh, 12,000 people receiving the preventive regimen. I think 80% of them, more than 80% of them, receive 3HP. Oh, wow. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. So, so in Taiwan, we have, the, our, according to our policy, the preventive therapy for for TB contact, for latent tuberculosis infection, is we the, the policy cover all age group. Yeah, from ch from children to 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 the elder. Mm. The, the, we cover all age group. And we also try to expand our the risk of populations for for active tuberculosis, such as diabetes, poor control diabetes, those who receiving uh, hemodialysis or transplant recipient. So we we are expanding our pool of of LTBI treatment. So uh, it's a. And why do you think that these patients are getting higher rates of these severe flu-like symptoms than you would typically see in things like isoniazid monotherapy? This is a good question. Uh, to tell the truth, I don't know. I don't know yet. Um, usually, we, we, we say that uh, many many kind of drug side effect is, is an aller allergic reaction. Mm. So, so I, I don't know if it is an innate allergic reaction, innate immunity, or... Or something else, but I think this is why I, I I I just say that we accept the external validation. We need to 
we need to dig more into the the uh, the mechanism, the background, the 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 mechanism behind the behind the gene uh, signature mm. because each each gene signature represents one pathway but the one pathway will lead us to a specific mechanism and I think this is good because it helps us to know the pathophysiology and maybe maybe through that you can you can find some uh, more important way or more simple ways to to know whether this one will get a serious side effect Mm. Yeah. In on the topic of <coughs> genetic sequencing, do you think that there are TB specific factors that are related to which patients are getting these flu-like symptoms? Do particular genetic uh, genotypes? Well, I'm not sure, but I guess so. Mm. I guess so because the serious side effect. Uh, you know, I I think it's it's there, there is genetic tendency for that because um, uh, it's a, it's very unusual that. Uh, we we often see that uh, we often feel that as a clinician that the the isoniazide or rifampin for for patient with active tuberculosis will not have such high rate of side effect. Mm. But actually, if you give some, <coughs> if you give these medications for for preventive therapy for latent tuberculosis infections, the the, the side effect the risk the the rate of side effect is higher is even higher so mm. that means this genetic this this genetic predisposition for the side effect could be modified by active tuberculosis or something else i don't know mm. this is purely speculation i i don't exactly know the mechanism no. and that's far beyond my understanding <laughs> i'm a clinician <laughs> i'm just a clinician <laughs> And that's fair. I mean, I think it's an incredibly complex topic, and I think it's a really exciting part of medicine, not just you know in tuberculosis, but in all fields of medicine in general. Uh, before I finish up, is there any other topics I haven't asked you about with this application of genetic sequencing in latent TB uh, that you think would be really interesting to find out more about, or anything that you could recommend reading for people? Yeah, I think... Actually, for this is a very hot topic. So, so if you go to the PubMed to search, you will get you will get a list, a long list of the review articles for the NGS for the application of NGS even in tuberculosis. Mm. Yeah, um, I, I recently I I focus on I I, I read NGS paper. I I try to do NGS for our TB patients. It's it's because. Um, yeah, as I just talked to 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 Professor Cardo, that <coughs> uh, I think it's a uh, the current th- there is a limitation in current diagnosis and current treatment for tuberculosis, and we uh, we need to we need to get advanced by new technology. So I, I'm hope I'm always hope that with new technology we can we can make things better. Mm. Yeah. I saw the slide that you had up that showed that unbelievable drop off in the cost of genetic sequencing yes. over the past twenty years, yes. which is beyond Moore's law that you yes. showed the line of, and it's been an unbelievable reduction in yes. genetic sequencing costs. Yes. Hopefully, that's going to have a massive impact on the number of people who can contribute to this field. Yeah, I, I think I think. F- Future is unlimited. There is always some more clever persons that would that would invent even better and even cheaper uh, technique. Uh, that's beyond my imagination. <laughs> really.
<laughs> well, look, thank you so much for speaking to me today. I can't tell you how much I enjoyed your presentation today and how much we're thank looking you. forward to yours tomorrow. My pleasure. And uh, thank you so much for giving your insights into your exciting work that you're doing in Taiwan. Yes. Thank yes. you so much. Thank you. Today I had the pleasure of speaking with John Yuan Wang, who's a professor from Taiwan who spoke about his experience treating LTBI patients with 3HP and the challenges in predicting which patients will experience systemic drug reactions. Taiwan treats around 12,000 LTBI patients each year and around 80% of these with 3HP. While there's very little hepatotoxicity with 3HP, the major treatment limitation is systemic drug reactions, which is predominantly characterized by severe flu-like symptoms. In Professor Wang's work, around 17.1% of the 3HP patients he's treated in his trials have experienced systemic drug reactions in Taiwan, and in around half of these, the reaction is so severe that it results in treatment cessation. Professor Wang's work for the last five years has been focused on how to predict which patients will experience this systemic drug reaction. Professor Wang's research suggests that it is possible to identify these patients using a combination of plasma drug levels, clinical characteristics, and most importantly, transcriptomic factors. Further research is needed to validate this algorithm, especially in populations outside of Taiwan. But this research opens doors for the possibility of not just personalized therapy, but also in looking at how these gene sequences may also reveal a pathophysiological mechanism explaining why this systemic drug reaction occurs. I'd like to thank Professor Wang for his time today, and we look forward to another episode in one month's time.